Hey, Gator Dunn, Larry the Cable Guy, also known as Mater, but today, as always, this is Dan Whitney. We're talking truth with uh, the fabulous Brian Clark and Nate, Nat Crawford. Sometimes I add an E. Can't get my name right. Sometimes mm-hmm. I add an E, I like to call him Nate. I've been called much worse. But anyway, we're in Genesis. This is it. We've been doing Genesis for a long time. We were about done with it. Uh, the focus today is uh, discouragement and perseverance. Uh, I think a lot of people need to hear a lesson on that. There's a lot of discouraged people out there. Uh, but no matter what kinds of ups and downs come your way, you got to remember the story is never over, and it's not over right now. And if you're a believer, for, uh, for believers, our story is about God's faithfulness, and that lasts forever. Uh, so stay tuned, everybody, for a lot of encouragement. We want to encourage you, okay? We don't want to uh, depress you. This isn't what it's about. This is the truth. It's called talking truth. Uh, so we're going to finish up with, uh, with Genesis, and Brian Clark's going to read it in his fabulous way. You know what? You, you should do it one time, like try different accents. It'd be awesome. Well, that would be. I thought I did it <laughs> oh. different every time. Which accent is that, Brian? Right yeah, there. What was that's that? my Nebraska accent. Okay. I loved it one time. In Genesis 1, we're introduced <laughs> to the creator God of the universe. Oh. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> the Corinthians. All right. Take All right. now. Here we go. Genesis chapter 50. In Genesis chapter 1, we are introduced to the creator God of the universe. We learned people are made in the image of God, which includes the remarkable ability to experience a meaningful relationship with him. And it was all very good. But Adam and Eve believed the lie that life would be better if they functioned as their own gods. They doubted the goodness of God, and they were deceived into believing there would be no consequences to the rebellion. As a result, sin and shame entered the world. But immediately God promised a way to bring life back out of death through the seed of a woman. Genesis tracks two paths. One is the way of Cain, a fierce determination to be your own God and decide for yourself what is right and wrong. The other path is the path of Abel, a heart to worship God and to seek after him. Chapters 1 through 11 culminate with the Tower of Babel and God having to separate people into language groups that we know as nations. He did this in order to prevent people from destroying themselves. This then sets up the introduction of Abram in chapter 12. God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans to establish a people set apart for God. God promises Abram he will become a great nation and that through his seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. But Abram was concerned with what would happen if he failed to keep his part of the covenant. So God made him a promise that if Abram failed to keep the covenant, God would shed his blood to make it right. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham and established circumcision as the sign of the covenant God made with him. It was symbolic of the fact that no flesh could fulfill the promise to Abraham. The promised seed would have to be from God. In other words, salvation would come by faith, not by works. Abraham believed this, and God declared him to be righteous. The storyline tracks Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. 
In the final chapters, we've been reminded that through all the ups and downs of these stories, God has been at work keeping his promise. Somehow, some way, in his sovereign plan, God has the nation of Israel right where he wants them to fulfill his promise. Even the powerful Pharaoh had to recognize that the God of Jacob and Joseph was the one true God. Jacob struggled his whole life to trust God. He was a man controlled by his fear and doubt. But in the end, he landed firmly on his belief that no matter what, God prevails. At the end of his life, Jacob wanted Joseph and his two grandsons to know that God is a God who walks with us, he shepherds us through whatever we face, and he is a God who redeems us. Jacob died and Pharaoh required 70 days of mourning, something reserved for kings and dignitaries. Then he allows Joseph to lead a magnificent procession all the way back to the cave where Abraham and Isaac were buried in the land of Canaan. There Jacob would be laid to rest. You know, it's interesting that Jacob gets such a dramatic parade with so many verses and so much fanfare. I mean, compare that with Abraham and Isaac, who just got a couple verses and no parade. At the end of the book, Joseph gets two verses and no procession. I mean, why such a fuss over Jacob? Perhaps it's because Jacob was so much like us. Abraham and Isaac and Joseph, they were very impressive men of faith, but Jacob, eh, not so much. The story of Jacob reminds us that the story is all about the faithfulness and grace of God. It's easy for most of us to identify with Jacob's fears and his messes, yet God was faithful just as he promised he would be. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent said, If you sin, you will not die. Of course, he lied. Joseph lived another 54 years after his father died. God prospered him in every way imaginable. But Genesis ends with these words, So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Yet Joseph died knowing the story was not over. Because of the promise of God, Hebrews 11 tells us that the patriarchs died believing they were headed to a better city whose builder and architect is God. Sin and death don't win. God has conquered sin and death once for all time by fulfilling his promise to send a Savior through the seed of Abraham. It was Jesus, the Savior. For those of us who believe, our future is glorious. Sin and death have been defeated and God wins. For now we walk by faith. With great courage and faith, we must trust him through the stuff of life, knowing God will be faithful and the best is yet to come. So let's bring in Dan and Nat and let's talk about this. Guys, through all the ups and downs of the stories of Genesis, the message is God will be faithful, and in the end, God wins. It's so encouraging. I mean, <laughs> I just love it. It's so encouraging for those of us who believe our future is glorious. Mm. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, we're on this earth for such a short time, mm -hmm. and it's a shame that it takes us a lot of years sometimes to figure this out just like Jacob. 
that's what's awesome. That's why he has all those verses about him and why he had the parade because mm. we're exactly humanity is a lot like Jacob. Mm. Most of us, 99.9% of us are. So that's why God focused on that to put in the Bible mm. and all the other things that were affected by it. It's just amazing to me. You know, my wife and I talk about that all the time, you know. Uh, for people that, you know, you see just see somebody acting a fool or you see some of these politicians or some of these guys, they're just out partying. They don't care about just, oh, well, that's all they care about. And it's like, well, you know what? Live it up. Mm. This is pretty much as good as it's going to get. Mm. It won't get any better for you than this. And if you're a believer, though, we know... Even though you're a believer, I mean, this is awesome. I, the, the, when you believe, you have hope and you're free. The world, there, it, has, it rains on believers and rains on unbelievers and there's sadness, but obviously, but you're just so much freer. I mm. love life. This is the life God has given me. He's given me a great family and, you know, and, but man, I can't wait to see what's after this, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, uh, I, would think, I, I would think that even if I had a crappy family, I was saved, and I knew that wasn't the end, and I'm moving on to something greater. Uh, that's, that's such a great promise in this. I love that. And I do have one question, though. Um, for people that aren't believers and people that want to want to believe. I think this is probably a question a lot of them ask. And I know I'm popping this on you out of nowhere, but people will always say, and I think I know the answer, but people always say, well, if God knew they were going to sin, why would he create Adam and Eve? Why wouldn't he create two people that he knew wouldn't sin? Then he wouldn't have to worry about this whole plan. Why would he create these people just to go through all this torment and then create a way to get out of the torment. Well, Why would he bother with it in yeah, the first place? I mean, there's big questions that theologians like to talk about related to that. But one of the things to think about is we're told right from the beginning that as people we are made in the image of God. And part of what it means to be made in the image of God is we have a legitimate choice. We have a volitional will. We can choose to worship God. We can choose to rebel against God. And the fact that some people do rebel simply reflects that that's true. And so God doesn't force anybody to be a worshiper. He doesn't force anybody to travel his path. There's consequences to our choices, but we're not machines. We're not computers. We're not pre-programmed. And so the reality of that is there's going to be people that make good choices and people that make disastrous choices, and that reflects God loved them enough to give them a choice. Well, and, and, and you think about the relationship of God as the, you know, the triune God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship, and he wants relationship with us, and that's why right. he created us. Absolutely. And he wants people to love him. Right, and, and he wants that to be a free choice. I mean, I've, I've talked about this with, you know, with our kids, right? You can say, give me a hug. And they may come up to you resentfully and give you the hug, and that means nothing. But when your kid comes up to you and gives you a hug for, out of their own, like, love for you, that means something. There was obviously an inherent risk that God knew. He knew that they were going to sin, but yet 
there is true intimacy and true relationship in that, pos- in, that, in that relationship. That's just part of the package. So God knew from the very beginning, but he also had a plan from the very beginning, before the world began, how he would redeem and bring people back to him. That is an incredible story, and we see it here in Genesis. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was all planned out beforehand because he wants, he wants people that really want to be with him. You're right. That really love him. Yep. He wants all of them. He wants all of his creation hmm. to be there. But some of them are just stubborn and don't want it. Yeah. You know, the, one of the things that I've really wrestled with through this series a, as we've watched these people, real-life people struggle as they have a very intimate relationship with God. And then I've thought about my own life and my own struggle with trusting God. Time and time again, I... When I begin to distrust God and trust my own way better, I do my own life, and it tends to fall apart. But yet we keep going back to the old patterns. So what would you say to someone who is struggling with trusting God? How can they begin to reestablish that trust so that they can follow him more and more? Because, again, throughout this whole story of Genesis, you keep seeing God show up, and then people begin to fall away. So where's the hope for us? How can we become faithful in trusting God? I think a big part of trusting God is knowing God. Hmm. You're not going to trust him if you don't know him. And that's, of course, the Bible is God's revelation to us. But I think also through life experiences, through stuff we went through with our own family, we cultivate a view of God that's really messed up and way off. And so it's a process of trying to correct a messed up view of God to arrive at a more accurate view of God, and then by faith, which is what we've talked about a lot in Genesis, we choose to believe God tells the truth, and he really is who he says he is, even though life doesn't always seem to line up that way. Hmm. If I need life to always make sense to trust God, I'm never really going to trust God. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. And that's I like that verse in the Bible where it says, uh, blessed are those people that believed without seeing, mm-hmm. you know, because Abraham literally talked to God. He heard his voice and the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, and even he still had a hard time going, ah, come on, really? You're not gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that we believe without even like seeing mm-hmm. the, the same situation he was in, um, I mean, that's, I, that's a good blessing, you know? I guess it makes me feel better about my own faith, looking at these guys, knowing how much they struggled and they did walk with God. You know, I mean, they had access to him at a unique level that well, we don't look much like you're saying, right? I mean, they got right. to witness. But uh, that also makes me very thankful that we have the Bible in front yeah. of us. We well, can go back why, and see yeah, it, right? Exactly. We have the Bible. Right. We didn't have that. Yeah. So we do. So have, we may have one up on them. Yeah, we do have everything <laughs> written down, and we, and we do have this. So you're right. We may have one up on them, but... Yeah. You know, so many of these stories, they, they, they kind of work themselves out, like the Joseph story. Mm-hmm. But Hebrews 11 reminds us that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they all died without seeing the promise fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no promise everything's going to work out and make sense in this life. But by faith, they believed that something better was coming. And, of course, it is it is coming no matter what people are going through. The message of Jesus is filled with hope and the future is glorious if we're willing to trust him. Right. Absolutely. And when you talked about um, 
people believe the lie that life's better when they function as their own God. Um, you know, we've said a long time ago when we started doing this, there's two ways that your life can go. There's two thought processes to the world. You either believe Genesis 1 through 11 or you don't. Genesis 1 through 11, you have a God. You have one goalpost. The other way, you're your own, you function as your own God. You make your own rules. And as we see the world today, uh, being your own God doesn't seem to be working out too well for mm -hmm. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, don't think, that, don't think that you can go through life uh, being your own God and, and, uh, and thinking you can get through things on your own because there's no way you're going to be able to do that. Mm. That's why so many people that are wealthy are depressed, lonely, can buy anything in the world, and they're still depressed and lonely because they're, being their own God is not working out that well for them. It's not making them happy. Well, yeah, what happens when you get everything you always wanted and you're still empty inside? Yeah. It's, it's not the path to, to life. It's not what they thought it was going to be. Absolutely. So, man, what a... Genesis is just is so awesome. Obviously, it's the first book of the Bible and how everything got here. But it's just, man, it just shows you that um, everything is, it, it never changes. We're just like these people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so nice to know that God is with us. God wants us to be with him. He's making ways for us to be with him. He forgives us if we repent and we turn away from sins. Um, but he wants us to be in heaven. He created it for us. He wants, he wants you to be free of all that bondage that you're going through on this earth and all that guilt and all. He wants you to be free of that. And uh, it's man, such a great redemptive message where sin and death don't win. Ah, mm. uh, love it. It's awesome. So listen. Listen, um, accept Jesus, man. Make him your own personal savior and, and, and then just start digging into the word. Start digging into the word. Put on your Bible goggles. We are in, right now, we are in a spiritual battle in this world. And if you want to know what's going on and you're confused, start reading the Bible. Pick up those goggles. The more you read them, the more you're going to focus in on a lot of good nuggets and uh, man, uh, you will be free, you'll feel free, and uh, you'll have hope, and uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> and we can keep talking truth. <laughs> and we can keep talking truth, absolutely. Hello everyone, Brian here. Today was the last episode of season seven, but season eight will be here soon. In fact, we'll be back in September with a series called God's Not Like That. It's a series based on how your family of origin impacts your view of God. I think a lot of Christians, if they were to be honest, would say their Christian life hasn't been what they hoped it would be. They really haven't discovered the abundant life that Jesus promises. Often that's because they hold a faulty view of God, and often that messed up view of God roots back to things they experienced in their family of origin. So this is what we'll be talking about in order that we might formulate a more accurate view of God, that you might experience the life your soul longs for. So join us in September as we talk about God's not like that. Get it done.